second program on um, this second day of Ramadan in Glasgow. Uh, I'm your host Zubair Akram. With me I have my guest Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Uh, inshallah we will be taking you through the commentary of Surah uh, Room uh, that uh, we have been covering. Uh, yesterday uh, we did Alhamdulillah the first four ayahs and inshallah we'll listen to the translation and recitation of uh, first few ayahs of Surah Room, and then I'll ask uh, our Sheikh uh, to have a conversation around those ayahs so that we can all begin to understand what's been said in these uh, ayahs of Surah Room. In the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, be especially merciful. Alif Lam Mim. Alif Lam Mim. Rum. The Byzantines have been defeated. In the nearest land, but they, after their defeat, will overcome. Within three to nine years, to Allah belongs the command before and after, and that day the believers will rejoice. In the victory of Allah, He gives victory to whom He wills, and He is the exalted in might, the merciful. It is the promise of Allah. Allah does not fail in His promise, but most of the people do not know. They know what is apparent of the worldly life, but they of the hereafter are unaware. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Shuru Allah ke naam se jo nihayat meherban rahm karne wala hai. Alif Lam Mim Rumi Karib ki Sarzamin me Maglub Hogehe or Apni is Maglubiat Kebad Chan Salke under Vogalib Hojange Allah Hika Ichtiarhe Pehlebi or Badmebi or Wodin Vohogaja Balaki Bakshi Hui Fatapar Musulman Hushia Manange Allah Nusratata Fermatahe Jisechatahe or Wozabardust or Rahimhe Yevada Allah Nikiahe 
اللہ کبھی اپنے وعدے کی خلاف ورزی نہیں کرتا مگر اکثر لوگ جانتے نہیں صدق اللہ العظیم السلام علیکم شیخ um inshallah we'll be uh, so th- these uh, seven ayahs that we've uh, uh, read and translated both in english and urdu surah room and i was going through this mind map today of um, someone shared in one of the groups of all the surahs of the quran and this has been mind mapped um and i was uh, what i looked at the mind map of of this uh, surah as you said yesterday when my, when we suggested the surah i was more looking to explore history of when it happened why it happened and how did muslims respond and why did they respond why did they need a reason to respond while, while they were such a small community but as you look at the mind map it, it transpires that the relevance of the 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 historic event that happened is not as um as pronounced as the the general teachings uh, of tawhid and of uh, believing in the last day and muslims how they interact with each other and how they interact with rest of the communities now is that something that i've picked up correctly or is would you make a more of a connection with this historic event that's happened and the general teachings of islam i think you're on mute maybe assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh so i'm obviously yeah. mute yeah um so you could you can make a number of um kind of conclusions from a, a summary or mind map mind map remember it's is the mind of the person making it so if you ask me to make a mind map be different from the mind map you probably have or you know there could be numerous mind maps you could have each, each chapter of the quran so the, the quran cannot be reduced to one mind map it's in the eye of the beholder as they say and so what's important for a person coming to read the quran is that they they come to it with an open mind a fresh mind even if they have read or studied the section that they're reading again previous to this they've had a deep study of it so what we were talking about essentially i think yesterday was the reasons for the introduction of this this specific theme of a, a conflict between two superpowers why is that the beginning of a chapter which i did say is ostensibly about other things about how to be a muslim and how to be a person of faith and how to um you know reflect upon the creation of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also to how to be in awe of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala within the experience that we have day in day out and so that's the major theme and and the thing is that what i was talking about last in the last session was that when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts a chapter with the muqatti'at which are the cryptical um, truncated letters of the Arabic alphabet without any structure. Um, there is there's a reason for that, and the reason for that mainly is to draw attention, um, and the attention can be drawn to the fact of a specific meaning, which is the the fact that the Quran is made up of these letters, and you're you're challenged to, you know, as the Quran says, "In kuntum fi You know, if you're any doubts over what we've revealed upon our servant, then bring bring the like of it. So the like of it is in the Arabic, and so the challenge is to bring it in the same form, the same letters, and to give it to the Arab speakers of the time, and they would say, well, this is the same thing, same quality that Muhammad is saying is the Quran, and then you know a poet or a or a orator would say this is also as eloquent, and so the challenge was there. Nobody nobody came up with the response. It was not done at the time of the Prophet I mean, never done in any serious way after that. Um, and so to bring attention to whatever's coming up, which is the main the main meal, if you want to kind of bring it into the iftar mode of people praying for mm. it, is the, the, the main content of this chapter is the wonderment that people should feel over how God has created the creation, the ayat. So the ayat are the kind of signs that you have 
on the horizons within yourselves that point you towards the fact that there is and everything points towards the fact there's only one God, there's one creator. So the verses are there for that. But to gain attention, remember in the in the kind of world of ideas that you have and the challenge that people have of people's attention at a certain time, even during that time, I can imagine there was different things vying for people's attention. To gain the attention of the listener, you have to provide something that is not the main purpose, but is essentially going to get their grab their attention. And so it's like they have um, you have clickbait in marketing, where where you basically um, you put out a headline which isn't the purpose of what you want to do, but it is essentially going to get people to interact to the point that they will get to read what you want to them to read. Hmm. So. If you want to, you know, if they, they want you to purchase something, they'll, they'll talk about something related to it that is, you know, of interest to you. You'll click on it and you'll get, it'll, it'll take you to the place where you'll see, okay, buy this or buy that. So that's the purpose of the company is to sell, not to give you information about, you know, celebrities or news. Mm-hmm. In a similar way, that's the psychology of the human being. I mean, marketeers have found that out, but the Quran essentially uses. A, an elevated form of that to grab the attention of people and and this and we should take note of that that the Quran is teaching us certain things that you know if you want to achieve something sometimes you achieve it in a roundabout way not in, in a direct way so hmm. if you want to and we know this from the son of the prophet and the prophet wanted to achieve certain things he would do it by if it didn't if it didn't succeed directly he would do it in an indirect indirect way so you know he would create friendships hmm. friendships with people connections with people um, who were his enemies, knowing that at some point that friendship that he had or that connection he had would be of benefit in the future. And you find mm-hmm. that all through the seerah where you have people that are, have enmity with the Prophet and the Prophet still allows him some sort of... You see this with Abu Sufyan a lot. The Prophet always gave him a kind of a small connection with him that he could revert back to him even in the mm-hmm. times when, you know, you know, the conquest of Mecca. Prior to that, he was given this door of of um, you know access to the Prophet and so that's that's the way that this chapter starts. The start is it's it's the door towards the chapter. Hmm. Without it, you would not get to the amazing signs of God, which convince you that God exists. And what's that hmm. news? The news is essentially about the the victory of the the Persians over the over the Byzantine um, Roman Empire, and the fact that this is cataclysmic in terms of his human history because it's it's it is marked down as being a point at which the Persians gain access to Jerusalem, to to the Levant, to to Damascus, to the, you know basically all the way. In fact, if the, hist- the, the historians mention that they got to Constantinople, in other words, the opposite of the sea. So basically, um, it's actually where I live. It's, it's you know Uskudar. Uskudar looks over mm. to to Constantinople, which is the old Istanbul. This old Istanbul is essentially what nowadays is called Fatih. Fatih mm-hmm. Mehmed conquered it, and that part was named after him. But Constantinople essentially is the walled city. The Persians got all the way there. So basically, they, they defeated them in one of their major outposts, which was which was Hisham, Damascus. They ended up encroaching all the way into Anatolia, which is modern-day Turkey, the, the, the majority Asian part of Turkey all the way to the point they could see Constantinople. So the victory that the Qur'an mentions is a historical cataclysmic event. And people are, are obviously going to be caught, to, you know, caught in with the with that kind of, that kind of quote-unquote clickbait. And it's hmm. also bad news. So it's not as if it is that the Muslims wanted the Persians to win and, and they're saying, okay, the Persians have won. The Qur'an doesn't mention the Persians, it mentions the Romans. It doesn't mention the Romans because they're victorious, it mentions them because they're being defeated. But then it tells you that, yeah, they've been defeated. And, you know, you know the Quraysh can mock and have this opportunity to, you know, rejoice in the fact that their brethren, you know, fire worshipper type, polytheistic type people have been in the ascendancy. We admit it, we accept it, we own it. But guess what? It's going to change. And in a very specific time, and, and to, to the point that it's bid'ah, bid'ah in Arabic means, you know, between three and nine. 
And in fact, you know, some some of the narrations mentioned that the Prophet Ali Salatu Wasalam. No, in fact, there's a, there's a narration. Imam Tirmidhi mentions it. Imam uh, Al Tabarani uh, mentioned in, in his book on history that saying that Abu Bakr, when he heard this verse or this chapter in the beginning of it, these verses, he said, "This is this is a a prophecy of the fact that the Romans will win." And Obey ibn Khalaf, who was one of the, the major enemies of the Prophet who passed away. Um, and interesting enough, the only person that whose death was uh, was as a result of the actions of the Prophet So Ubay ibn Khalif was injured in, I, I believe it was in the Battle of Uhud, you know, with not a direct, you know, direct hit from the Prophet but essentially he was he was um, injured by the Prophet in the, in the Battle of Uhud, and he died as a result of that. But he says to Abu Bakr radiAllahu anhu. There, you, the Persians have won. How can you believe the Quran is true? And he said, Abu Bakr said, I'll bet you that within three years, the the, the Romans who were now completely slaughtered. I mean, this is not just a, a battle, as I said before, in the in the fields or in the in the desert. This is taking the land, the cities, the major civilizational points. There's no chance of. It's like saying that Russia is going to, you know, invade America, kind of thing. Hmm. You know, is this not? Not plausible, it's like, you know, no analyst, even no matter how far left-weaning they are in any kind of universe will say that. It was like that. And said, you know, Abu said, I'll bet you, I think it was 10 camels, that within three years the Romans will win. And he hmm. told the Prophet, and the Prophet said, no, tell him nine years. Hmm. And tell him to increase the bet. And so the Prophet said to him, go and tell him to bet you for nine years and tell him, that it'll be a hundred camels, not tens, not enough. Hmm. And so, what happened there, therefore, is that there's this bet, basically gambling. I mean, this is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some people say this is before the 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 prohibition on gambling took place. The prohibition on gambling took place, you know, well into the, the late part of the Medinan period, which is, you know, almost like fifteen years after this time. But anyway, this happens. The Prophet says, "No, increase him," and then. They're left to wait for the nine years. So they basically, you know, that clock is ticking because bid'ah, Prophet said bid'ah means between three and nine. Hmm. He says increase him to nine. And that 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 bet remained until the ninth year, which was essentially the year of the Battle of, of Badr. And what's interesting is that um, you know, when the Prophet went on Hijrah, you know that Abu Bakr went with him, Obaybni Khalif said to Abu Bakr, you're, you're fleeing from the bet because I'm going to lose 100 camels. You need to stay here. He said, no, but I'll leave my son, who is Abdurrahman. And he, and he said, Abdurrahman will remain and he'll be the guarantor of the debt. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what happens is um, the Battle of Badr is about to take place. So this is... So, the so this is the, the guarantee is for how many years? Nine years? The, 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 bet, the bet is for nine years. So the, the bet is at the year nine, it will happen. Either so it will happen and Abu Bakr will get a yeah. hundred, or it will not happen and Obey ibn, ibn, ibn Khalif will get the hundred. And so when Abu Bakr is leaving for Hijrah, Obey ibn, ibn, ibn Khalif is saying, You're fleeing, and you know, if you die, then I'm not getting anything. And hmm. so he, he says, Abdurrahman is my guarantor, he will remain with you, so he will pay. And then when the Battle of Badr is announced, Obey ibn Khalif obviously wants to take his part in um, the 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 what is the what essentially is going to be this vic- great victory for the Quraysh, and then Abdurrahman says to him, "Where are you going? Because if you die, then who's going to pay my father's bet?" Mm, mm, mm. And so you have this kind of interesting conversation, and what happens is Obey ibn Khalif is actually captured in the Battle of Badr. He has to pay his ransom, and it's at that point that the the, the news of the victory of the Byzantine Empire over the Persians in the same um, place is announced in the Greater Sham, and obviously the, the the debt becomes due. And that's with just between three and nine years. Uh, between three, three and nine. Yeah, it's just after three years, basically. So that the victory takes place in the ninth year. Okay. So, the, so Badr is um, five, Badr. seven, roughly between eight and nine years after the, yeah. after the event. And so that's it. It's done. And so you have within this, 
you know, obviously the clickbait aspect of it is that everyone's interested in this big bet. It's a hundred camels. A camel is two thousand pounds nowadays. You know, in that time it'd be about two thousand worth two thousand pounds. A hundred mm. of those is what two hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, it's not as if it's just something to buy a car. You can buy a nice property, <laughs> and mm. it's not mm. insignificant. This is the degree of faith that Obebni Khalif had in his disbelief. Mm of the Quran and this is the amount of faith that Sayyidina Abu Bakr had in the faith in his in the truthfulness of the Quran which mirrors this thing that you know happens during the Mi'raj when the Prophet says he went on the night journey and the and the and the ascension ascension to the heavens and everybody mocked including Ubay ibn Khalaf mocked the Muslims and he went to Abu Bakr and said do you believe what he says and he says yes in qalahu faqad sadaq if he said it then he's true wa inni la I, I believe him in things that are much more great than this, which is that the, the revelation comes from the heavens and the earth day and night. And so Abu Bakr's strength, a Siddiq, the one that is truthful, you know, he puts his money where, you know, the, the, put your money where your mouth is. Abu Bakr was one of these Muslims, of the early Muslims, who was the greatest and closest companion to the Prophet. And at the moments where you could put everything, you know, on the line for the for the the, the sayings of the Prophet, the, the trustworthiness of the Prophet. In other words, it wasn't to say the Quran is true, it's to say the Prophet never lies. That's what he was mm. basically betting on. And the bet became true. And this is you know so, so something I want to pick on uh, what you said earlier on that is it Quranic uh, uslub or is it the teachings of the Quran that if you don't so using roundabout way is recommended way you don't have to be direct all the time you shouldn't be direct all the time is that something we pick up from quran i mean it's not something you, you necessarily just pick up from the quran it's definitely the case that you know the quran is a is a, is a dhikra which is a, rem a reminder a reminder is something that you do again and again but the, the thing that you're using to remind is not always the same thing hmm. so if you think about it um, you know the stories of the prophets they're all mentioned and one story will be mentioned the same event will be mentioned in a different way in mm. a roundabout way mm. and sometimes in a direct way so the prophet musa and his story with the prophet with uh, with and, and the prophet harun with uh, Fir'aun is sometimes mentioned directly completely directly because that's the that's the the that's the kind of the knockdown you know strike which is going to give you the message but then it's mentioned in a very soft way as well, a roundabout way with all the background and the, you know. So it takes, the reminder it takes different forms, sometimes direct, sometimes indirect. And this is essentially what, you know, is, um, it's it's like, um, it's like either mudahana or mudara, which two are terms in Arabic. Mudahana is to kind of sell your religion. Mudara is to kind of, um, you know, use a, a method to get to what you want without being direct. Mm -hmm. So mudara is like this. Mudahana is to to kind of, you know, butter up your enemy and tell lies and to you know go around um, being unethical in achieving your aims, which is basically essentially what politics is. You know, if you look at certain mm -hmm. certain Muslim countries, which remain un, unmentioned <laughs> at this point in time, mudahana, mm -hmm. which is just making use of religion, but then there's mudara, which is to do it in a way that is wise and is ethical and is true and so what the Quran does and what we are told to do is you know to avoid harm to ourselves and to gain what is good for ourselves sometimes through an indirect method rather than a direct method and this is I think mm. one of the big big lessons that I think Muslims of today are missing mm. I think is the, the fact that you don't have to knock the door down to get what you want you mm. can be wise and you can be long-termed um, in terms of your vision and you essentially achieve the same thing and so the Quran here you could say well why is the Quran talking about a news item the reason it's doing it is because it's, a, it's opening the door towards people now having interest in what's going to come after that mm -hmm. which is these amazing verses about the you know as you said the mind map you were talking mm -hmm. about you're saying it doesn't seem to fit but it I mean the whole point is now we have to connect this with that you know, it just can't be just that you just have clickbait at the beginning and then the main topic. 
there is always a deeper thing, I think, always within even something we think is just an introduction. Hmm. So it is, I believe, that this instance will be, as we go through the chapter, will be of relevance hmm. to all these other things that we talk about. Reflections with Sheikh Rudwan Muhammad and um, today, 2nd of Ramadan, Iftar today is at six minutes past eight. Six minutes past eight. Uh, unfortunately, actually looking at the timetables, uh, there is a minute difference between the two timetables, even in Maghrib now. So um, we are following the Central Mosque timetable and it is six past eight. Uh, time for a short break and inshallah we'll be uh, right back after this break. Mustafa Welcome back to Reflections um, with Sheikh Rizwan. Uh, Sheikh, this uh, just before the break, um, and this ayah now, Binasrillahi Yansurumay Yasha Uwahul Azizur Rahim. At the victory willed by Allah, He gives victory to whoever He wills, for He is the Almighty, Most Merciful. So, Binasrillahi Yansur, we, we kind of labored on the point yesterday uh, on Lillahi Amru Min Kablu Wamin Badu Wayoma Idin Yafrahul Mu'minun. So the the whole matter rests with Allah before and after victory, and it is generic. It's general. It's not just specific to this um, event that's been described. And if that's true, then the the next part is again the the same discussion about um, if it is how much of it is the the if how much is the qadr basically. So you, is, what are you saying? I'm trying to understand what you're saying. The, the victory is given to whoever Allah wills. Yes. Right? What's the emphasis here? How does this one, this ayah, explain what the previous four ayahs have said? So you're talking about binasrillah. Binasrillah. So this is uh, it's related to, because it's harf jar al-ba' this is related to what's previous to it. It's connected Direct, directly because it says on that on the day that the believers will will rejoice be not mm. so they rejoice about what you can rejoice about numerous things mm. um like say now Bukhari would have rejoiced of the fact that he's now 100 camels better off in his bank to understand so he's just won by that victory you know the battle of Badr but the the victory of the Romans or the per- Persians now nine years later he's essentially won um Financially, something that would set him up for life. If you look into the way that we think about it, mm. so what's mentioned here is there is this kind of idea that everything is in, in the qadr and qadr of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and this is kind of in, in this this is kind of this kind of mustadrij or istidraj is a kind of concept. It's not istidraj; it's istidrak, which is kind of a, a sentence within a, a theme which is about the, the victory of the, the Persians over the Romans and then the fact that this will not continue but within nine years the Romans will then you know recover and then we gain, gain victory Allah says and at this point just remember that to God belongs the events that all take place victories and events everything that happens before and after time in a meaning in an absolute sense in other words, this will, even if we see somebody's victorious and somebody's not victorious, it's still essentially in good hands. As you know, you know, I think it was um, Abdullah Murad, um, 
you know, contemporary scholar, he said that, you know, believers should be happy because they, they know that history is in good hands. In other words, the events mm -hmm. of, of, of things that we think are not going well or going well, you know, GDP is going up, inflation is going up. And, you know, for the believer, is everything is good because it, the sign of success is not going to be that your GDP is going up or your or your um, growth rates are going up or the interest rates are low or, you know, all these things that we obviously help facilitate things on earth. But this is no. not essentially going to, no one's going to, in the history of, you know, if, if somebody wrote a biography about you or you, at the time you lived in, no one's going to mention the fact that you went, you lived through um, a, a time when inflation was 7% seven, 7% or the, or the, the gas bills went up 100% or something. It, these things pass. However, even wars, they pass. Mm, mm. But there is, there's no getting away from the fact that we, we are happy, made happy and rejoice in things that we think are good omens for us, such as the victory of the Romans over the Persians, because it mm -hmm. indicates that Allah is with the people that believe, really in, 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 with the people that believe, you know, and the people that strive in his way, God will come to their aid. And so that is, I mean, you were talking about Qadr and Qadr. I think it, it kind of comes back to what is essentially the previous chapter, the previous chapters and Kabut is kind of connected to it in some way. Hmm. And it ends, it ends with, with the, you know, the famous verse, fina subulana. Subulana. That, you know, those that jahadu fina is like to struggle and strive and to exert themselves in our path. Um, Allah says, subulana. we will open up the pathways to guidance for them. Hmm. And indeed, in Allah al that God is indeed with those that have the state of ihsan. Now, think of of that in the context of what we're talking about. It is, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, push comes to shove. When all is seen and settled, the dust settles. Then that is the situation. Those that strive in His way will definitely be guided. And so, hmm. in a sense, it's kind of connected to this. If you think about it, the end of the last chapter. Is connected to the verse verses of this chapter because Allah is promising something in the previous chapter at the end, the last verse. You know, I, I, yeah, I think it's the last verse of the Surah Al-Ankabut, and then straight after it is giving you news that seems to say that's wrong. Let's let's forget that because it's saying, oh, you know, the Byzantines who were the receiving of the recipients of revelation have been defeated by, you know, fire worshippers. Hmm. It seems that's not correct. It seems that the Quran is not being correct here, that those that strive will will be given ease in their path. And Allah actually mentions it. The, the Romans have the Romans have been defeated. The Byzantine hmm. Romans hmm. have been defeated. Hmm. And it tells you where it's happened, all the details, so we know exactly what's happening. But guess what? What we said in the previous chapter at the end of it is going to come true because they will become victorious within three to nine years. And at that point. The believers will rejoice in the victory of God. So the mm -hmm. so the, it's as if there's an announcement that that day will be a, a day of a victory or that time yoma idin, which is a time period, not necessarily a day period, even though I think it's trans translated on that day. But and on that a, day, the believers will. It's rejoice. not necessarily a day yoma idin on that at that time. It's more yom is like a mm -hmm. it's it's an it's, it's a metaphorical usage of it, and so. People, the believers, who are the believers in the Prophet will rejoice in that time and also extended. The Byzantines were still believers because they hadn't received the message of Islam. And what happens is you have two um, situations where two groups of people are rejoicing. The Byzantine Romans, who are Christians, are rejoicing. And you have the Muslims rejoicing at the Battle of Badr because they've, they're victorious. Hmm. And Allah says, Yansuru, man yasha. And God allows to be, become victorious, whoever He wills. And He is the 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 the, the mighty, the um, the strong, the honourable, and the merciful. You know, there's mm. a mercy in 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 victory, and um, you know, the, the mercy in victory is the fact that the victorious, if they're if they're virtuous and ethical, they will bring you know. Mercy to the situation. So, Sheikh, the, the the factors of victory, the factors of victory, is it because they were believers, and others were um, fire worshippers, or were they more in sophisticated in their warfare? Was it because uh, they had more people? 
No, I, I mean, I mean, I'm not an expert in military tactics, as you will know. <laughs> but you, I, what I do know is from reading the history is that they were not in a situation militarily, strategically to gain a victory. Mm. And so they, they weren't. They, 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 this is like this, what they call the last throw of the dice for the Roman Byzantine Empire. Constantinople mm. was essentially at the beck and call of the Persians to the point that the 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 the, the, the Orthodox Christian Church was making preparations to leave Constantinople and essentially, you know, um, even though Constantinople had never been conquered, to basically abandon it and to leave because mm. the, the, the slaughter was almost inevitable. So that shows that it was not based upon military acumen and, and force of numbers. It was just the fact that, as Allah says, this is, this is, and this is like Allah says in the Quran, these are the, the days of God, the, the, that God alternates between people. So, so this tawakkul, this this deep belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that he is the one who does things, is a major, if, if there was a scoring system, this is one of the biggest things that can contribute to one's personal victory or nation's victories, tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yeah, I mean, it, it does, but, you know, the there's an interesting hadith in Sahih Muslim, which, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's related, it's related in the collection. It's I think it's not in Al-Bukhari, but it's in most definitely Muslim, where Amr ibn Asr radiallahu anhu is told by one of the the other companions that the Prophet said that the hour will not come, in other words, talking about the end of time, until the Arum, which is the Byzantines, and Arum, remember, we have to under, unpack what the Arum is, they are the essentially the the, the the Byzantine Empire, which was centered in Constantinople, which is Anatolia, and 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 now now it's Greece and all these areas, um, but also was used as a, as a byword for Europeans. So the culture of the Europeans was considered to be now is is what was considered at that time to be what's indicated by a Rome, and so the the Prophet is, is reported to have said that they will be in the ascendancy. In other words, they will be powerful they will be um, in control of the way that essentially the world will work in a comparison to other states and Amr ibn As said that what are you saying and he said I'm just saying what the Prophet said and that and, and then when Amr ibn As who was remember he's a great statesman hmm. he was a person that was sent as you know um, to Abyssinia to bring back the Muslims who had fled from Mecca and he was the one that you know was always an like adversary of the Prophet he was considered to be the the, you know, essentially the one that the, the Quraysh would send to the major um, kings and rulers to make the case for the Quraysh all the time. When he became Muslim, he brought those skills back to him, you know, back with him to his Islam. And his, his story of Islam is beautiful. But what he said was interesting. He said, if the Prophet said that, then it's true. Since he says they have, I think it was four qualities that they have. So hmm. in other words, the whole point is, it's not that God just decides. Look, the previous chapter ends with the verse: "What those that strive in our way, we will definitely open for them the pathways to our to us." And he said they have four qualities that almost like justify. And this is interesting because it almost tells us like we should also be aspiring to these. Hmm. He says the best in in um, facing difficulties. You know, shadaid, when you come into masaib, you come into. A calamity, they're the best people in how they deal with that, and they're the quickest in recovering from that as well. In other, in other words, they're down and out. And this is essentially, you know, this thing of the, the, the Persians, you know, basically decimating the Byzantines. Hmm. What did they do within the nine years? They dusted themselves down and came back. That's not something the Persians are known for. The Sassanid Empire was never known for that. And he said, thirdly, they're the, the quickest. In returning to battle after defeat, hmm. do you understand? So, you think of these qualities. I mean, these are qualities of people that are tenacious, are driven, and we have to think of why that is. You know, it might be survival, it might be this thirst for blood, whatever it is. But then the Prophet also, you know, the Prophet said that they're going to be the most, they're going to be the group in ascendancy. So Amr ibn As, he said that the other thing is that they have, you know. Um, they're the best in treating, you know, essentially being kind to people, the orphans and the needy. 
Mm-hmm. So with that that steel, you know, that steel of coming back to battle and dealing with calamities and coming back from calamities, coming down back from the, the face of defeat, they also have the softness, the steel with the softness. Mm-hmm. And then Amr ibn Asari also have a fifth quality, which is which is actually very interesting because he said that they don't allow um translation would be they do not allow those in authority amongst them to oppress their people or themselves. So they will not let the ruler oppress them. Hmm. And so what are these? These are not um, mystical kind of um, things that you just make a dua and then it happens. These are qualities. And each hmm. of these qualities are qualities essentially that a Muslim should have. Acquired qualities, right? These are acquired, worked on, almost like state qualities. or um, These are civilization qualities, which is why, you know, there was a study done um, by somebody, I think I, I believe it was in Ireland, looking at the most Sharia compliant country in the world. So basically, you know, if you look at Sharia and what it calls to, and mm-hmm. and and you know, up the, at the top, I think it was Ireland, and then after that was something like Switzerland or something. So it was like okay. because this transparency, this idea of you know dealing with calamities and openness and fairness and so on. Obviously, there's some policies that you know. You know, a, a black and a black and white look at it would say it seems to be counter to Islam. But generally, the degree of freedom, the degree of openness, justice, uh, access to your right, these kind of things, which Prophet essentially was always fighting for during his life, as you know, hmm. even in Mecca al Mukarramah, he would stand up for the downtrodden and the uh, oppressed. I mean, it, it gives you a lot to think about as a Muslim that you know the the, the Byzantine Empire and essentially the Europeans at this point in time were of that nature. Obviously, you know, at certain points they go off the off the rails. Yeah. But it's interesting because it leaves you in a well, situation... You said something about so facing the calamity and then coming out of the calamity. Yes, he mentions... He met, Amr ibn As in, in Sahih Muslim's collection, he does mention two as being separate. You know, in terms of... The, when the musibah is here, how do you deal with it? Like okay. getting in place all the things to help people and to put in a plan to face it. And then at once the aftermath is there, you come out of it back to where you were before. Hmm. Think of the Second World War. Look at look at Germany. You know, Germany essentially was beaten to a pulp, put hmm. into slavery, essentially. The same thing that happened in the First World War, it was basically, they say that the Second World War is the result of the First World War because the reparations that Germany had to pay to its opponents were so much that Hitler essentially had a free free reign to create a very racist, xenophobic um, political Mm. movement because Mm. of the fact that the Germans were almost in a slave situation Mm. and they came up to become so powerful. And then you have, you know, after the Second World War, the same thing. Germany was essentially in, in debt. The reparations were un, unthinkable. And guess who's the powerhouse of Europe? It's Germany. It's like every other country in terms of economy is insignificant in, when you compare it to Germany as a powerhouse. And so look at that. That's You know, you, you keep looking at Europe and, you know, these environment, geographical locations, and you see exactly what happens. happens. Mm-hmm. It's not based upon... You know, then the Prophet said, you know, tie your camel and then rely on God. Mm-hmm. The Prophet's got it, the Prophet had it right, obviously. But at some point, Muslims got it wrong, which is they didn't they tie the camel. Of, they didn't tie the camel, they didn't plan, they didn't they didn't set in place um policies that would ensure that their faith would be protected. And mm-hmm. obviously you reap what you sow, as they say, um, you know, you whatever. <laughs> Um, you've strived towards, you get it. And Allah says, as, as the previous chapter finished, those that strive in our path, we will definitely and surely open the path up, up to them for all good. Because so, God is with the Muhsin. So there is this, um, you, you come to crossroads of understanding, reap what you sow and istighfar. Mm. Yeah. So you know that you are now reaping what you've sown. Mm-hmm. And then how do you, and, and they were quick to come out of calamity, or you're quick to come out of your personal calamities, you're quick to come out of your national calamities. Mm-hmm. What's the process? So you, you're saying, like, if somebody goes into sin and then they do istighfar, so basically... And either that, or 
they have come they have a nation has arrived at a situation for example what's happening in pakistan or you know just now and collectively or what's what's happening say in ukraine mm-hmm. so uh, or or russia uh, and how west is behaving with with russia um uh, how uh, i would say in, in pakistan is quite embroiled how armies behaving with the the, the civil government um mm-hmm. you know uh, the, the the underworld and and the games that are being played and how what was actually being played out and what's actually happening is two different things mm-hmm. what we see now if, if you are in these situations you know that you are reaping as a person or as a nation what you have sown in the past mm-hmm. realization is one thing and how do you come out of this what's the sunnah what what's the teachings of quran what do we know from this surah well what you know from i said i think i must have said right at the beginning is you own it like the right. quran owned the, the defeat of the of the byzantines which is bad news they didn't have to why why mention the chat why at the beginning of a chapter mention the news that the person didn't want to hear do you understand mm-hmm. so this is this is a prophet this is like the news that you don't want to tell people you just brush it under the carpet but you do but they did they, they, I mean, who did <laughs> Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did he, yeah, he mentioned it he mentioned he, he, he mentioned what it. would be for us brush under the carpet it's the kind of bad news that you don't so want to my, mention. My, my reflection is to then announce if you have lost as own own, own the, the mistakes, accept the mistakes, and announce and them. then learn them. Yeah, and also meaning you know own the, what the, what's happening. Don't don't um, don't say it's not happening. If your if your country is afflicted with corruption, don't just say okay this is the way it works. Own yeah. it. Yes, we are. Now, what do we do to change it? So in the same way, the personal situation, you're afflicted with an addiction, you're afflicted with sin, or you're afflicted with um, constantly backbiting or slandering somebody. Own it and say this, yes, I am in this situation. That's like the first step of, you know, Tawbah has like steps, doesn't it? So, um, you know, there's there's this idea that you actually um, repent, Mm -hmm. which is that you actually kind of acknowledge that there's some kind of issue going on there. And then you start to um, take yourself out of it. And then you start to um, have nidam, which is to remorse over having mm-hmm. done it. So you 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 have you have the steps. You put them in place. So Toba has steps. Istighfar has steps. And th- that's kind of that's what you have to then do. Even multiply it to a national state. You've got a national debt. How do we deal mm-hmm. with it? Mm-hmm. Is it status quo? Or is it going to change? So do we want a new go- type of government? Because we've tried and tested what's happened, and it's given the same results. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years, the same thing? Or do we say, okay, let's start from the beginning? And, and what I know is from every kind of indication you have of life is it might take a bit of time, but essentially you get you get there. Hmm. Like you make, the st- you make the steps, you put the plan in place, you achieve all the steps towards the big step, the big goal, you get it. So hmm. imagine you've left school, no qualifications or nothing, and unemployable. You know, you need all the qualifications. You say, okay, what do I need to get to the goal, which is employability? You say, okay, Mm -hmm. I need this certificate, this qualification, this qualification, this qualification. You don't say, oh, that's five years. You say, is okay, can I do the first one? Yes, do. Second, third, yes, fourth, fifth. You're at the goal and you're graduating. Mm -hmm. So everything comes like that. Now, by, by acknowledging your mistakes in the past is just a way of strengthening you in the future as a person. So <clears throat> that's a sunnah. And in this context, we read this ayah, and the victory will by Allah. He gives victory to whoever He wills, for He yeah, is because it's a, yeah, absolutely, because it's a sense of achievement, isn't it? It's a, it's a sense of you know the, the 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 thing that you've come out of it, but wasn't what you wanted. Ideally, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Let's accept it. Let's 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 map it out. And in fact, they always say this: like you know, the person who's not failed will never succeed because there's no. Um, education in in constantly being successful because you have no experience of what it's like to be unsuccessful and then have to change your ideas. Hmm. Hmm. So even Islamic scholarship, it went through years and years of refining and debating and discussing 
until we have something that we teach without having to think about that because it's already been gone through that whole process of, of, of refinement and rectification. You know, the different opinions, the different heresies, the different sects in Islam that happened. We, we study them and look at them to get to the point that we own them. And then we say, okay, this is wrong because of this, this and this. This is what we've come to conclude is the best way forward. Hmm. And so that's it. And so this this chapter, you know, the beginning of it essentially predicts the victory it happens. And the interesting thing is, you know, just in passing, you know, the the other kind of major um, prophecy the Prophet did at that time was of, obviously Abu Lahab. And, and guess what? He, he dies in the Battle of Badr. The day that the Muslims are rejoicing on the battle field for defeating the Quraysh is also the the and the and the, so the prophecy becomes true. The big prophecy mm -hmm. is also the day that the big prophecy of Abu Lahab not being able to become a Muslim becomes true as well because he dies. And so one Which, day you have the two, I would say the two big prophecies of the Prophet that were timed. In other words, they were given a time ticking clock, ticking away that you could check. Hmm. You know, within the day, the sun rising, the sun setting, it's all settled. Hmm. The whole hmm. thing settled, hmm. which is absolutely, I think for me, it's like mind-boggling that two things can happen. And sometimes we don't make the connection, but that's what happens You know, when you have a prophet of Allah, you know, being supported by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know, these things become, you miss them because they happen so perfectly. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alif Lam Meem Gulabatir Rum. Alif Lam Meem Rumi, Kareeb ki sar zameen mein maghloob ho gaye aur apni is maghloobiyat ke baad chand saal ke andar wo ghalib ho jayenge. Allah hi ka ikhtiyar hai pehle bhi aur baad mein bhi. Aur wo din wo hoga jab Allah ki bakshi hui fatah par musalman khushiyan manayenge Allah nusrat ata farmata hai jise chahta hai aur wo zabardast aur rahim hai ye vaada Allah ne kiya hai aur Allah kabhi apne vaade ki khilaf warzi nahi karta magar aksar log jante nahi samain radio ramzan ki nashriyat reflections mein hum apne mehman sheikh rizwan ke sath har roz 7 baje se lekar ke iftar ke waqt tak sura room ki आयत की तशरीह और उनके मानी को समझते हैं आज की इस नशिस्त में हमने पहली छह आयत का ترجمہ اور اس کے معنی کو سمجھنے کی کوشش کی and inshallah we'll finish uh, with the, the, the final ayah of uh, today's sitting wa'd allahi la yukhlifu allah wa'dahu walakin akthar an-nas la ya'lamun this is the promise of allah and allah never fails in his promise but most people do not know. So, I mean, it is the the wa'ad Allah. So, if you can, if you can see anything about this this chapter, it is the the promise of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that what the victory will happen, the bad news is given, the prophecy is made, and the prediction of the, the rejoicing of the believers has been put and etched in the recitation of every believer until the day of judgment. That's happened, and then. Allah is saying, if God promises, it will happen. And so this is just like, this is going into the aqidah of it, which is the kind of higher level of our discussion, which is that God, as the verse says, لا يخلف الله That God does not go back on his promise. Hmm. But rather, hmm. most people don't know this. I mean, don't know what? Don't know um, that God never goes back on his promise? Or is it the fact that most people just don't know? Hmm. And you could almost say, don't have a, you know, in modern parlance in, in UK, we'd say don't have a clue. You know, are oblivious of these mm -hmm. major, major um, themes of how the world works, which is that if God, the creator and sustainer of everything, promises something, then because he's the creator and sustainer, it has to happen. And so mm -hmm. this, this I mean, this ties into, you know, you're talking about Qadan, Qadr and all these kind of things, because, you know, the chapter before it finishes with, Indeed, those that strive in our path will indeed be guided, you know, to our path. It's essentially this is between the fact that God promises it will happen. This is kind of qadan qadar. It's like the fact that it will be written and predestined. But on the other hand, you have this amazing thing of free will and this idea of power that human beings have to choose, that hmm. you are rewarded based upon your choice. And so then 
for me, it's, it's the, the, the beginning of the end of the last chapter. When you read it, you come to the end of the last chapter, and you come into this one. The theme that comes up for me is guidance as well. That you know, guidance is an interesting thing. Part of guidance can only be given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely, you know, as the Prophet was told, you cannot guide who you will, O Muhammad. But rather, Allah will guide whoever He wills. In other words, it's not your job or it's not within your ability to do that. But then the Quran also says, that Indeed, O Muhammad, you do guide towards the straight path because you point towards, you say, There will people do this and do that. Hmm. And so, you know, between those is this idea of the fact that those that strive, God will open the path of guidance to them. So God will do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's like there's kind of cause and effect kind of going on here. There's this idea that you can't just say only God guides because you have to start the, mo- the process in motion. You have to make the first steps towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so, you know, the believers were rejoicing because, you know, it wasn't that God just said, okay, I'll give you the battle of Badr. They arrived, mm-hmm. they organized, they had a strategy of how to, and the Prophet remember very famously, as you know, he asked for the opinions of the companions of where they should set, um, settle down for their camp, etc., etc. They had scouts going out to see how many of the Quraysh there were, and so on. All that was planning, and they came with whatever they had in terms of, you know, a couple of horses and spears and whatever. They made as much preparation. And then, mm-hmm. you know, tie your camel and then rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It meant they had to mm-hmm. go to battle. They had to have the jewels, the famous jewels at the beginning of the, the battle of Sayyidina Hamza and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu karamallahu wajahum. You know, all that happened, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's the victory of God and it's the promise of God. You just have to be, have this kind of, you know, what they call a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. You know, people mm-hmm. always talk about that. The leap of faith is once you've done your 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 bit, you know that it will end up good, and that's I think something that's true for nations, for for civilizations. Also, it's more true for human beings as ourselves, day in day out, day to day lives, more mundane, you know, almost you would say, you know, kind of irrelevant, um, insignificant things that we are concerned about. It's also the same. The small things that we're preoccupied about that we make, you know, raise our hands and do and make Allah help us in this. And if you were to listen to it in the in the in the, in the scheme of what's happening in the world, it'd be insignificant. Hmm. But it hmm. is significant for you since it's a significant dua, it's a significant need as a human being, because your worldview is just related to those small things, you know, that you just need a, a new a lid for your pan or something, or you know, your shoes have got a hole in them and you want Allah to Give you know a child will say, Allah, I need um, and my son would probably make dua for like chocolate, like in a Maltese mm. or something, you know. So, mm. whatever size of the brain you have, that's just the, the, the degree of the dua is, is commensurate to that. And and, so, and 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 there is no shame in making dua for anything small, big, or medium, but nothing right? small or big because for a child, what seems to us small and we mock them is for them the most important thing, yeah, it's the thing they will cry over and they will. You know, you know they will. You know, like the Prophet said when he went to meet uh, Abu Umair. You know, this young child who's 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 um, you know his Nugair had had died, a small um, sparrow. You know, he knew that this sparrow, which is insignificant, you know, insignificant thing, was so precious to this child. He said, "Ya Abu, Ya Abu Umair, You know, what's happened to your beloved small sparrow? Because hmm. the Prophet recognized that for that child, that sparrow was more important than all these battles between the Romans and the Byzantines and everything that was happening around him in Medina. That was important. And look at the Prophet He engaged totally and, and entered into, into this universe of that child. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> and so what does that say? It shows that nothing's insignificant in the eyes of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That compassion that the Prophet gave you know, that young child of six or seven was as great as, you know, Granting him this military victory over the Quraysh in in Mecca, the conquest of Badr or Uhud, because the Rasul only acted in what was true, only acted in the most perfect of ways. I think that's an amazing message for us as well. That you know we talk about big, big conflicts mm, and mm. problems, but 
How are you as a person, you know, in your day-to-day life? You know, that's important. Inshallah, we'll leave uh, today's reflections at this note uh, and leave you with Mustafa Jani Rahmat Bilakum Salam tomorrow again with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad at 7 till iftar time. Until then, Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah. Alaikum Assalamu wa Rahmatullah. Salam, la ku salam, la ku salam.